1: Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Mishpacha. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Yes, it's Shabbat a day ago. It's Shabbat again. We'll get into why it's so wonderful to be with you on this special Shavuot service. And before we begin the Shavuot ceremony in earnest, I have some thoughts to share with you. And uh, first, I'm sure some of you might be celebrating Shavuot for the very first time. That's wonderful, we welcome you here in person or online. That's absolutely wonderful. You're gonna be seeing some things maybe you haven't seen before, but we're gonna tie it all together. We're gonna make sure that you have a full understanding of what you're gonna see today, and you're gonna see a lot. It's busy up here, right? It's exciting. In fact, before the service even started, people were coming up and looking and taking a close look at this beautiful harvest right here up front. And we're going to get into why this is here, why it's decorated like this. So we're going to understand a lot of meaning from this special ceremony. And tradition says that when the commandments were given to Moses, Mount Sinai bloomed. God's word is alive. Amen? Amen. So we also remember that Shavuot is a harvest holiday when crops are being harvested. And we must remember that on Shavuot, our first crops are ready. It's about harvesting time. We're nearing more and more the great day of the Lord. So we must give God thanks for our harvest. God has blessed you. Even in the era of this virus, Dayenu, Dayenu God, this is a day of rejoicing. But it's a day of rejoicing in him for his goodness to us. And so we give back to him who has given his all. For us. Amen. Now it's time for the final counting of the Omer. Please go ahead and start the pictures from Israel that Rabbi Kevin put together along with the count. And you might be wondering why I'm here and not who you typically expect. Of course, Rabbi Kevin, you would typically see him on Shavuot, but Rabbi Kevin is, and this is so exciting, he is out in the land in Israel where it's blooming right now with the college kids and I can tell you from experience, I was uh, touring with Rabbi Kevin in Israel the last time and we left the day before Shavuot and Jerusalem was just electric, you could feel it. And so for him to be there right now Shavuot in the land with, and showing and sharing the land with the college kids, it's such an opportunity and blessing. I know it changes lives because my sister went on this trip and she then moved thousands of miles away. So I have mixed feelings about that, but mostly positive. So this is a life-changing trip that he's on. He loves sharing the land with, uh, with everyone, especially our young people. So we pray for him. Keep him in your prayers. They're doing well and being blessed, as you can imagine, to be in Israel on Shavuot. So I'll bless the Lord while the slides play. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu malach ha'olam. Al Ha Omer. Blessed are you, God, King of the universe, who made us holy with His commandments and commanded us on the counting of the Omer. Today is the 50th day of the Omer, which is Shavuot. So you've heard it said already, but we'll say it again, Chag Sameach HaBikarim, Shavuot is a harvest holiday. So we bring our first fruits, Bikarim, HaBikarim, the first fruits. It's also the day God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Finally, it's also the day the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, was given in Acts chapter 2. So this service you're going to see is very interactive. And now you can hear me for sure. <laughs> Regardless of if you are here in person or watching from home, I really want you to verbally participate when asked to do so. We want you to really get the blessing of this Shavuot ceremony. Let this minister to you. So as you can imagine, as we're celebrating the giving of the commandments, we're going to be looking at the commandments, looking at the Torah, to get a better understanding of what we're doing here today. In Leviticus 23, 21. We read, on that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work, Shabbat. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. A sacred assembly, a lasting ordinance to be observed for generations to generations wherever you live. We happen to live here. That applies to us. Wherever we live, it's wonderful. That means here and now, of course. So this holiday is called Shavuot which also means weeks. If you ever exit Shabbat and you say to your friend, "Shabuatov, good week, Shavuot means weeks. It's also called the Chag Habikarim, Feast of Firstfruits. Well, again, we'll talk a lot about firstfruits today. And we're going to rewind just a little bit in Leviticus 23. We're going to go to 15 to 17. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. And then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Right? Count 50 days. Present an offering from wherever you live. Two loaves offer a wave offering of firstfruits. fruits. So this first fruits—it's representative of the harvest, our harvest—and we all harvest in some way or another, right? And we should be maturing and bearing fruit with our harvest. Think about areas where you've grown in the last year. We need to make an offering to the Lord and give thanks for this growth, for this maturity. So today is the 50th day of counting the Omer. On this day, the first Omerim of wheat—the last grain crop to ripen—in fact, ripen are baked into loaves and brought to wave before the Lord. Each loaf is baked with two-tenths of an ephah of wheat flour, about half a gallon, which, which is a lot, as you can imagine, and each is about three feet long and nine inches wide. So we're going to get a little more interactive here. Please respond aloud where it says congregation. Did you start counting the weeks after sundown at the end of Passover high Shabbat? Yes. Yes. Is this the day after seven complete weeks? Yes. Yes. You have reached the 50th day of counting the Omer? Yes. The day of Shavuot is fully come. We may wave the Omerim. I would like to ask Godfrey and Edith to join me up on stage. So now that we've reached day 50 and we've grown to maturity, the bread is leavened and become large loaves. This is a special culmination of something. And oh my gosh, Look at how amazing these loaves look. I mean, you can see it even from the far back, how big these challahs are. It is incredible. They are beautiful. Let's give a big thanks to Layla who baked these. Wow, amazing. That, That took a lot of work. I tried a little bit of baking in my time and I would have to clear my whole schedule for a week to even attempt this. Big thanks to Layla. They look wonderful. So we have two omer loaves from the new wheat harvest. Then we may eat of the harvest. See, we're not supposed to partake of our harvest until we have given God his portion and given thanks to the Lord for it. All right, this is wonderful. Thank you, God, for you to join me up here. Referencing Hillel, Psalm 113, two loaves are waved from south to north over Jerusalem. Ye his servant... East to west, from dawn to sunset, heavenward, (laughs) high in heaven, and downward, who humbles himself. We have waved the omarim and obeyed this command. Let's give God praise. Wow, I I guess leg day will be tomorrow then. Wow, that is a workout. Wonderful job. Thank you. A ketubah is a marriage contract. In fact, as you enter my, my own home, you'll see it's the very first thing the ketubah, the contract I signed right before my wedding day. What is it? It's an agreement that establishes some of the parameters of the relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. The giving of the Torah is, what is it, a marriage contract between God and Israel. It is to be thought of this. It said that the cloud that came down on Mount Sinai was like the chuppah, the chuppah that you see here. Wow, it's one of the reasons we are under the chuppah today, A chuppah represents a talit. And what does the talit remind us of? This is so wonderful. We're given so many visual reminders in our tradition and from scripture. It reminds us of the commandments. In addition to weeks, what else does Shavuot mean? It means oaths. So today is the annual rehearsal for the betrothal of the bride, the body of believers here, to Messiah. In fact, you can think of this festival as an exciting engagement party. So in Exodus 19, 16 through 19, we read, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Amazing. Wow. The Lord descended onto Mount Sinai in fire. Incredible. We're going to talk a little bit more about this fire here soon. Exodus 24:17 says to the Israelites, The glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. Wow. Remember this. The glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the mountain, consuming fire. Amazingly, Shavuot in the Berich HaDashah is when Yeshua's promised that he would send the Ruach HaKodesh was fulfilled. Acts 2, 1 through 8, perhaps you're familiar with this. It's worth a read. It's amazing. When the day of Pentecost, Shavuot, came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? So what happened? Let's summarize. Tongues of fire came to rest on them. Do you see the parallel? Yes, the fire in Mount Sinai, the fire here in Acts 2. Incredible. All nations understood. The giving of Torah is a marriage contract between God and Israel. The giving of the Ruach in Acts 2 is a covenantal sign also with the nations. Yes, only Jewish people were there at the time, but it was symbolic of the word going out to the world. So we're called the bride of Messiah. The 3,000 that were saved that day were the first fruits of the bread of life. We too are part of the Bikarim. So we talk about Habikarim today. You are Habikarim if you have faith. On Passover, which was how many days ago? Yeah, about 50. That's right. The slave children of Israel were set free and the bride was redeemed. 50 days later, God gave her the ketubah his covenant fulfilled. So, what happened on Passover? Yeshua redeemed slaves to sin, us, hello, to be his future bride. Then he told her to count the days. On day 42, he left this earth saying, I go to prepare a place for you. So, this is just like a Jewish wedding. When the 50 days were fully counted, he gave her an engagement stone. This is that day. How exciting! Friends, you need to realize tonight that you are not a slave to sin anymore. You're not in Egypt building bricks and erecting pyramids. You're not doing that anymore. You need to understand that you are freed. On Rosh Hashanah, he comes for his bride. On the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, the marriage will be celebrated as we dwell with him forever. And Sukkot is when we celebrate the final harvest of grapes and oil. So first, if you are ready to commit yourself to the Lord and to follow his decrees then we will join in as a congregation and repeat the same words of our people in scripture in accepting God's word. These are like the commitment made at a wedding, but instead to God. This will be up on the screen. So let's read this together. All the words which the Lord has spoken, we shall do. All that the Lord has spoken, we shall do and obey. Some of you have been a bride before but we are all part of the Bride of Messiah. Amen. Understanding his gift to us imbues even more meaning into this special holiday. It also enhances our understanding of the requirement of the offering that you'll see soon. See, Shavuot represents God's gifts to us of the Torah, the Holy Spirit, and salvation. God has given gifts to us, there is no doubt, my friends. It's only fitting for us to give gifts to God. In Leviticus 23, 37, and 38, we read, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord. The burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have owed and all the freewill offerings you give to the Lord. Right? This is the Lord's appointed feast. We should bring offerings in addition to our regular giving. So, we give God our tithes on a regular basis, and that is good, and that's foundational. Never tempt God by keeping the small percent that is owed him. But first fruits is a chance to really make sure our priorities are not only in order, but in the right order to make sure that we are giving God what? Our abikarim, our first fruits. So, yes, financially, not only financially, but, but even more so than financially, with our time, with our talents, and with our hearts. Really, totally giving our first fruits to God. So the decorations of the blooming offerings remind us of the importance of putting God first and giving him our very best. Rabbi Emeritus says, you remember, right? God better be number numero uno in your hip parade. I remember that. He said that so many times, it's hard to forget it for me. I think God needs to be numero uno. So we give him our very best. Deuteronomy 16, 9 through 12 says, count off seven weeks from the time you began to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your towns and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows living among you, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. Amen. So we're to bring a free will offering in proportion to the blessings that the Lord, the God, our God, has given you. And to rejoice, remember, it, it reminds us, we were slaves, but no more. We have been freed. Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17 says, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. This is the shalosh regalim that Mark referenced earlier in the service. At the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. This is not my opinion. This is what we read directly in Scripture. So the Scripture says that specifically on Shavuot, one should bring a freewill offering. Yes, this means it is above your normal tithe, but also that no specific amount is compulsory. So scriptures just mandate that everyone bring something. Scriptures do tell us that the free will offering should be in proportion, as we mentioned, to how you've been blessed by the Lord. This is a thanksgiving offering as God has been so good to us. Amen. So we're going to do something, but I'd like each of you to bow your heads for just a moment as you're listening. Thank you. I want to allow the Lord to deal with each of you as to what your free will offering will be. Reflect on how God has blessed you. The amount is not important. It's not important at all, so long as you are being obedient to what the Lord has written in your heart to give. Some of you haven't had as significant a financial blessing this past year. That's okay. Your free will offering is expected to be less proportion. Some of you have been really blessed. So your proportion is not to be as limited, of course. So we'll take just a moment to to allow the Lord to, to write on our hearts what we're to give. Amen. Amen. Well, this is very special because in Deuteronomy 26, it's kind of unusual in the scripture. We know exactly what we are to say at this time. There is absolutely no ambiguity. We, we actually know what we're supposed to do right now. It's actually very exciting. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 4, and then we're going to read the first part of verse 5. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God. Dot dot dot. We're gonna get there real soon. We're gonna get there. But first, we're gonna just talk about what's about to happen. It says to bring our first fruits to the altar. Let's make sure we really understand these previous verses. Traditionally, this process of the bikarim offering was accompanied by rejoicing, as it is a celebration and thanks to God for his goodness to us and our crops. You can imagine in the agrarian society back then. That was your, you could visually see how blessed you were in your crops. So this is so important and they would rejoice what they could see God has given them. So this is how we're gonna do it. In a moment, I'm gonna have you read on the screen the exact text that God commanded us to say when we bring this particular offering. And after this is completed, I'm gonna ask the musicians to play and when I let you know, begin coming to the Bema row by row, this side first, from the back. You've read, of course, let the first be last and last be first. Kind of going to do that here. So the ushers will be posted. They'll help you know when your row is dismissed to come give the free will offering. But uh, it's important to remember this is above our normal giving, above our tithe. And if you have it there at home, you're at home, you're watching this, you can hold it in your hands. If you've already sent it, that's wonderful. That's great. And if you're watching online, you could also, as an option, use the PayPal link when the music starts and send it in electronically. Make sure to mark it as Shavuot offering online when you give. But this is important. If you're here, you're going to see rejoicing. If you're at home, this is required. Not by me. This is what it says. You got to do it in rejoicing. You can't be glum. You've got to give with joy, sameach, joy. So those of you here will be entering into the wedding chuppah to symbolize your commitment to the Lord as testified by the Torah, which we'll bring out shortly. So how can we think of it? We can think of it as a rededication to the commitment that we have to our Lord. Also, Deuteronomy 26, 10 through 11 says that we are to bow down before the Lord as we deliver our first fruit, our bikurim, and rejoice in all the good things the Lord has given to you and your household. So if any of you desire, you can totally do this. You can bend the knee and your ways toward the Torah. This will be further following the command, in fact. You know, we want to make a, a point here. We certainly, as you see people bending, bowing, we do not worship a scroll. Absolutely not, right? This is a symbol, a shadow of what's to come. It's a shadow of the Lord and our bridegroom. So first, let's read together from Deuteronomy 26. And we really need to say this out loud together, okay? Ready? My father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders, he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Hallelujah. Now this is the big moment we've been waiting for. Now is the time for the special Shavuot offering. Please come on up and place your offering in the beautiful basket right here under the chuppah. But there's something important you have to remember. I've said it before again. I'm going to say it another time. You have to come up dancing and rejoicing. We'll have our Bethel dancers modeling this for us as well. They're going to be leading the procession. So please feel free to join them in the dance circle after you give of your offering. Everyone, enjoy. Let's dance. Let's rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. We get to give back to him what he's given to us. Let this free will offering bless him and bless you in return.
0: Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom.